you're done with your little your little soccer spiel? Well, we, we, we haven't talked about Arsenal yet. I mean, no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> go no, to we, can talk, we, we can talk about the Panthers, I guess. season. This is our first episode for the 2018 season. We're in training camp. We're in the heart of the preseason. Week one coming up. So I'm here with uh, Brad and John. Brad, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Brian. Thank you. Like your sarcasm there. John, how are you doing there? Fine. I think calling it the heart of the preseasons is a generous term since it hasn't started yet. I mean, preseason kind of envelops, you know, training camp. Well, yeah, we're the heart of training camp. Preseason, yeah. yeah. Preseason doesn't start until tomorrow. Preseason games don't start till tomorrow. <laughs> That's the difference. This is the <laughs> preseason. I guess the preseason starts in like what March technically. As soon well, as the technically the preseason starts the day after the Super Bowl, but. Well, that's still the end of the season. That's the, the off season. March March fourteenth is when the league year begins. That would be the the preseason. Exactly. So we're right in the heart of it. Okay. Good point. Yeah. Yep. You're yep. you're right, Brian. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. So yeah, football is on the horizon. Um, we've had some uh, ups and downs here with training camp with the Panthers. A few injuries there. Um, for those listening who aren't aware, uh. Daryl Williams, starting right tackle, injured, not sure when he comes back. So Taylor Moten took over for him. Uh, then Ross Cockrell, who was the replacement for Brashad Breland, ended up getting hurt as well. So some injuries there. And then on top of that, we found out about Amini Silatolu getting some surgery here on Friday. So there's there's some there's some injury problems, but. It's the Panthers. This this kind of happens. Um, I'll start with you, John. Uh, any thoughts on the injury report slash injuries that have been rolled out to us? Do we know how Ross Cockrell broke his leg? Because it was was it a bad practice? He got caught it, up under Tory Smith somehow, yeah. and when he he went to get up or whatever, his leg got caught, and it just so happened that it had two hundred pounds on top of it, and it broke. It just—it's just crazy to me how many injuries happen in training camp, like before they even start playing, like for such a physical game. They're like every day, it's like a player tears his ACL doing non-contact drills and stuff. And I was like, man, like other sports do non-contact drills all the time, and nobody gets hurt. But um, honestly, in terms of the Panthers injury specifically, uh, Darrell Williams is isn't great. I think Moten will be fine. Ross Cockrell, I kind of forgot about. Um, so that one will be fine. And Amini Silatolu, I think Brad can talk about that with more passion than me. 
Go ahead, Brad. Tell us about your your thoughts on the Amini Silatolu injury. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> I don't mean to like sound like I'm insensitive, but Amini Silatolu getting hurt is probably the best thing that could have happened for the Panthers' offense because we know that Ron was going to give him the starting job at left guard because he's a veteran and he has the experience uh, and what other ever other bullshit word you want to use, Ron was going to put him out there. I'm telling you, A, I told y'all we should have drafted Alshon. You know, no bias, but I'll never let it go. Should have drafted Alshon. I mean, the, the Panthers would honestly be better off not having a left guard than they would to put Amini out there. He is absolutely terrible. He's the worst offensive lineman in the entire NFL. It's not even close. I mean, At least, like, if you put a, if like a tackling dummy or, like, if you put a, nobody there, there's no, like, body for the other offensive lineman to trip over as the defend, there, uh, defensive yeah, lineman and, comes with a free run to the quarterback. Yeah, and the defensive lineman's going to look and be like, wait a minute, where's the left guard? And that, that split second is going to be more time than Amini would give Cam in the pocket. So it actually would be a net positive to not even have anyone there. Um, I don't know that much about Brendan Mann. I'm going to call him Mahon, even though it's pronounced Mann, because that just it, his name is pronounced wrong. It should be Mahon. Um <laughs> Or about it's Mahone, yeah, or Mahone, yeah, but it's man, and that's just that's not right. <laughs> well, um, all those extra letters doing there, yeah, don't unnecessary vowels. We don't need that. Um, but you know, I don't know anything about him. I just know he's a UDFA. Uh, I do know he's most likely not going to be Andrew Norwell, like from last year, but he can't be as bad as Amini Silatolu. He just can't. It's impossible. Um, the one thing that concerns me is that we signed Jeremiah Sar- Searles, I guess how you pronounce Searles. his last name. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we signed him for like one and a half million or something like that. And he must be really, really bad because he hasn't even been in the conversation. He's either really, really bad or he's hurt. And they just haven't you know, said that yet. But he hasn't even been in the conversation. I don't even think he's played or practiced or whatever. So... You know, left and he's guards, a vet too, so and he's a vet. You would think so, he'd, you'd be getting yeah. reps over man. You'd think if, he'd be if, getting reps over man, if not even over Solotolu. So, um, you know, on a human level, I'm I'm bummed out for Amini. Ooh. I hate that he got hurt, but I'm glad that it's not something major. Like it's just a meniscus. Like he should be back, quote unquote, in six weeks. Like it's not. He'll never walk again, bad or anything like that. Uh, but I do think this is going to be a, a benefit for Carolina because that means he won't play. Right. And uh, one of the things that I that was brought up by a few of our people in our group, uh, Man and Amini Silatoli were guys where it's like, we don't really know what they have. Where uh, Tyler Larson, Greg Van Roten, and potentially Searles, we kind of know what they have and what they're bringing to the table. So maybe it's maybe these reps that they're getting in practice are more so just to see what they have. So I'm a little worried only because that's two offensive linemen that aren't like third or fourth string guys. And granted, you can say 
I mean, he sucks, whatever. But it's it's not good to have two guys who are at the very least second or third string linemen on IR before the first preseason game. So we'll no, see definitely how that not goes. Ideal. Um, I mean, we we could trade for Kelvin Benjamin. We need a left guard, and he could probably. <laughs> He could probably do that. Yeah, he's got he's got the size. He's not overly fast, but you don't really need your your left guards to be running four or five forties. So, um, the one that I'm a little worried about is Ross Cockrell. I don't think it's been talked about enough. Only because Wait, before, I have one more thing about the guard situation before we move on, and it has to be said. Um, I'm looking at uh, Brendan Mann's drafts report uh, scouting report to between him and Norwell because I remember Norwell had like he was kind of like a surprise undrafted free agent like he, this guy's too good to be undrafted we got it like I feel I remember that impression the moment we signed him but uh the first weakness listed on his on man's draft profile on nfl.com doesn't have enough bubble to fill out his game pants what that's interesting it's <laughs> a very interesting take that's the number one weakness is I'm, I take that to mean his butt's too small. Gotta have that wow. donk, you know? That's number one. It's amazing to me that NFL evaluators aren't better evaluators of talent when you have that kind of scouting prowess. Not enough. Right. Not enough bubble to fill out his game pants. Jesus. I didn't know Sir um, Mix a lot was an NFL talent evaluator, but <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> um,. So Ross Cockrell was the plan B, I guess, for Brashad Breland. And uh, he was a heavy zone corner. He left, he he played with the Steelers, then they traded him to the Giants, and the Giants let him go. And basically it was because he's mainly a zone corner, which Carolina plays a lot of zone. So him breaking his leg and being out for the rest of the season definitely sucks. But Dante Jackson has had some time to come out and prove what he's worth and he's got he's obviously shown the makeup speed there so it seems like Carolina has honed in on Dante this is essentially Dante Jackson's job to lose coming week one I mean they sure we see Kevon Seymour was depth chart he was the cornerback one but he's been Jackson playing a lot with the the ones, and I I I have a hard time believing that Seymour is going to beat out Jackson after the investment they put into him. So my thought is that Jackson is going to come out week one and be the starter at least most of the time. I I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the coaching staff seems impressed with Jackson at least at least with his his moxie, even if like. And the fact that he's so fast, I think, should at least give him some sort of, like, the uh, more margin for error than, like, Josh Norman had, for example, early on in his career, where he didn't quite have the, the technique and the the seasoning yet to be good. Like, Jackson can make up for, for that, or make up for that more with his uh, speed, like Josh Norman couldn't. So I think that's, I mean, I think he'll be all right if we get, if we have to slot him in number two. Like I said, the speed doesn't, the speed certainly helps. And it brings a different element to the secondary too, because Carolina yes. hasn't had a guy that's in a long time. I mean, we've had the the Mike Mitchells, the Michael Adams, the Kirk Coleman's, the uh, Josh Normans, the Melvin Whites, the Drayton Florences. You know, like, never slow. really, yeah, haven't really had like a guy who has top end speed. And 
Dante Jackson had obviously like the fastest 40 time in the entire draft this year. So it'll be interesting to see how they deploy him. Like, is he going to be just your second corner on the outside? Is he going to be more of a Joker type guy like Munderland was early on in his career? You know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And I think he's going to get a lot of reps in the preseason. Um, and to segue into week one of the preseason, um, there's a lot of stuff going on there. I personally don't see Cam Newton playing a whole lot. Neither do I see Greg Olson. Neither do I see Devin Funches. So that's going to give some nice opportunities to guys like DJ Moore, Dante Jackson, obviously aforementioned. Tons of rookies and tons of younger guys who can showcase their talent. Um, who are we looking at right now? Who are we really watching as far as the preseason goes? I'll start with you, Brad. Uh, what's a what's one guy that you're looking at come week one that you really want to see and see what he has to bring to the table? Demir Bird, man. Of course, <laughs> of course, everybody's favorite fifth receiver. Of course. I mean, Somebody's he's probably the fifth receiver, but honestly. I really am looking forward to seeing if last year those few games was really just a fluke or if he actually is an NFL caliber receiver and he can stick on the roster because, you know, yes, he's not as good as, as Curtis Samuel. He's not as good as DJ Moore, but you need guys like that. He can return kicks. He's actually really good at doing that. Uh, You know, it keeps Christian McCaffrey from having to do it. And, you know, you need you need to rotate people in and out and, and work matchups. So I think he's got a spot on the roster. I'm just looking forward to seeing if if he can actually stick for, you know, or if last year was just a fluke. I really hope it wasn't. I think he's got like it's his or he has a spot to lose. Like he's coming into camp on the roster and either somebody has to play extraordinarily well or he has to play extraordinarily poorly to not make the team like I think he's yeah I agree with that pretty secure I do want to say I'll put I'll mention that I'm interested in seeing Curtis Samuel because based on like taking college production and projection out of the equation I really really need to see more from Curtis Samuel like basing it solely off of what we've seen in the NFL like right now oh based on what we've last seen Demir Bird is significantly better than Curtis Samuel. Um, I know Curtis Samuel's young. There's a lot of players that are young that can like catch the ball without falling over and not like. I know it's not all his fault, but he averaged like seven yards a catch last year, and then he was even worse in the. He averaged like three yards a catch in the preseason, and his his uh, calling card supposed to be his, you know, his speed and his yak and all that stuff, and he showed none of that last year. So I, I want to see him actually like look like a good football player because I am concerned that he's not shown to be NFL material yet. And that's a good point, John. And I think that uh, if that's going to happen, this is the year for it to happen because mm-hmm. the Panthers have, you know, DJ Moore, who's known for his ability to run after the catch. Uh, yeah. Torrey Smith is obviously a deep threat. Um, Christian McCaffrey will still factor into the receiving game. Jarius Wright is, you know, a third down guy. It seems like Samuel can be put in to succeed with this team. Um, so I, I think that they're going to give him more opportunities, but I don't think they're going to force feed them to him like they did last year. 
Um, but my guy that I'm watching is Ian Thomas, fourth round pick, yeah, end because Greg Olson is probably not is probably going to play about as much as Cam Newton in the preseason because we know what Greg Olson brings to the table. So Chris Manhurts is out, obviously too. So that makes Ian Thomas the next guy up. And I think he's going to get reps with the number ones, the number twos, maybe even the number threes. So I think we'll get a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities to see what he's got to bring to the table. And uh, Billy was big on that. Billy Marshall was big on his uh, on the drafting that guy. He was a good run blocker. Um, he's been doing well in camp so far from what we've heard. I think he's going to get a lot of attempts at uh, showing what he can do as a receiver in the preseason. And I'm very, very interested in what he's got there because – is the time for him to prove himself and show that he can be the tight end too. Ian Thomas reminds me of like not not to compare him as like a caliber player, but like watching his like his highlights, he reminds me of uh Rob Gronkowski when he has the ball in his hands where he's just look like the football looks like he's carrying like a so- like a softball and everybody <laughs> yeah. that's trying to tackle him just looks like a child. Um so yes, I am excited to see him play too. He's very smooth for his size. Yeah, definitely. But, he's uh yeah. he's an athlete for sure and uh that's why they that's why he got drafted at that point cuz his yeah. college production wasn't that great, but he had like what 14 catches in college or something like that? 28 yeah, catches. Yeah, but to be fair, he went to Indiana. Nah. Known quarterback passing yeah. game hotbed. Exactly. Yep. I think I think we're going to see the starters for like one series tomorrow night. My guess would be um if Maybe two. Starting, starting offense, Cam will be out there for like one season for uh one one series. Maybe Greg yeah. Olson out there for one series, and then we'll see Garrett Gilbert take over with DJ Moore and uh, Curtis Samuel and Ian Thomas, and probably I imagine Cameron Artis Payne is going to get a lot of reps too. Um, yeah. On defense, I could probably see James Bradbury. I'll probably pay one. One series, I imagine CRC and Adams will play one series. So I think we'll get a pretty good look at the rookies, especially on defense with Dante Jackson and uh, Rashawn Golden. So, yeah, it should it, it'll be a good case study to see where the rookies are at so far and what they have to bring to the table. So, yeah, my guess is they'll play like like the offense will play like the defense. I can't imagine playing more than one or two series, regardless, just because it's like if they force a three and out, it's like all right, you guys played well, no need to push it. And if they play poorly, it's like, all right, you've done enough plays. We don't need you out there for anymore. The offense, if they go like three and out on their first drive, they might. I would imagine they come out for a second drive just to get some more reps. But yeah, if they yeah, if they shoot together so one or two first downs, I think that's that'll probably be it. Yeah, Cam's gonna probably get about twelve snaps. Yeah, at most. Unless I'm they thinking, have like a fifteen to twenty play drive or something, yeah. but he he's With, not gonna play much. Yeah, I think Cameron Arts Payne's going to get a lot of reps, too, because I can't imagine McCaffrey or C.J. Anderson are going to get many carries No, it's going to be Cameron Arts Payne and Elijah Hood are going to get, and Ken John Barner are going to get the majority of carries. That'll be fun. Like, C.J. Anderson and, and Christian McCaffrey might not even play at all. Like It doesn't make it, sense it, to play C.J. Anderson. Like It he, depends on the weather, too, because, I mean, it is Buffalo, New York. It's <laughs> like Christian... There's, there's, I was going to say, there's forecasts for, for some po- um, possibility of rain and, and thunderstorms on Thursday. So I think it depends on that as to who we see and when we see them. Yeah. I don't think we'll see C.J. Anderson at all, to be honest. Because, like, 
there's enough game tape out there on him where it's like he doesn't need the preseason. Like maybe Christian McCaffrey for like the first season, uh, series or two, but I mean it just. It just doesn't make sense to put those guys out there. Like you know, we have a CJ Anderson, and obviously Christian McCaffrey's gonna be a big factor. Um, yeah, not at running back where the potential for injury is so high. Like, there's no point in risking that in the preseason. Yeah, I keep... could see I could see DJ Moore being out there a bit just because you know he needs those reps. Yeah, I could see I could see I I can't imagine Darius Wright and Torrey Smith will play a whole lot either because we know what we have with them or at least the coaches should. So <laughs> it should be a good showcase for the young offensive talent, I think. I haven't. We haven't heard much about Jarius Wright in the preseason, have we? Because he no. coming in, he would have been my like my top pick for training camp MVP like Russell Shepard was last year. It seems like every year we bring in a veteran wide receiver, and like that was like kind of, you know, put on the back burner in the previous stop, kind of got like buried on the depth chart, and then they come here, and it's like, oh, they've got a great rapport with Cam Newton. It's picking up the offense like it's nothing, and then they end up, and then like Russell Shepard last year, they ended up being nothing. I thought that well, was Jarius Wright this year. For what it's worth, with Jarius Wright, um, number one, right after the whole Kelvin Benjamin thing, uh, Cam hit him quite a bit in training camp in those practices, but he's a little bit more of a refined talent than uh, Russell Shepard was. Um, he was considered a third down specialist in Minnesota. So I think he's like, I think he's like the replacement for Jericho Kotri that the Panthers have been looking for. So, so it's is he going to drop a pass in the Super Bowl? I mean, we have to get to the Super Bowl first, but yeah. Um, I think he's a little more refined than Shepard was simply because Russell Shepard was just a guy where he was the third receiver on a team where. Jameis Winston was thrown to him every now and again. Where like in Minnesota, he was there for a while and he worked with Norv Turner in that offense and was pretty solid despite having like Christian Ponder throwing to him. And I don't think Case Keenum threw to him all this much this past year, but Teddy Bridgewater, who didn't do much either. So I think Red will be a better receiver than Russell Shepard, but I think those those concerns are sef- are de- definitely not unfounded. We need to talk about the Kelvin Benjamin thing since you brought him up. Oh, Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, for our listeners, uh, Kelvin Benjamin apparently called out Cam Newton and basically said, if I played with a more accurate quarterback, I might've done better in my first two oh, years. Don't, don't sell him short. He said more accurate and a quarterback that understands the game. Yep. He called him inaccurate and stupid. MVP. A former NFL MVP doesn't understand the game. So uh, go ahead, John. Seems like you're uh, pretty well, fired up. Go ahead. I, I tweeted about it. And it's just like, I mean, it's fine. Like, it's if, if he said something, he put his foot in his mouth, it's whatever. Um, but if I'm like a Bills fan, I would be concerned because it's like his issues are that he has issues. He, he doesn't stay in shape. He has a hard time staying in shape. And he doesn't give full effort. And he's slow. And those are the things that hold him back as a receiver. And if he's going to come out and say the thing holding me back as a receiver were the other players, to me that says he's it just shows a total self or lack of self awareness to where he doesn't look at himself and say like yeah I need to try harder I need to do better. It's always somebody else's fault. And if if he's thinking it's other people's fault for his shortcomings, then he's never going to improve on the things that are actually holding him back. So I think he 
look seems to be destined to be like a a 700 yard receiver that stays six around the NFL because ever there are so many size obsessed GMs that think that he's a he's a red zone threat and overrate his jump ball ability because he's big even though he's not particularly good at jump ball situations. Yeah, he's about 50-50 with that. He drops a lot of balls for sure. Drops a lot. Like, yeah, it's like he's assumed to be a, a jump ball target because he's big, but like he plays like he's like 5'10 because he times his jump so poorly and he doesn't jump that well and uh he just he's just soft. Not to mention all the times he drops passes like straight in his chest. Right. Any thoughts on uh, the whole Kelvin Benjamin thing? Oh boy. Um, <clears throat> I would have understood his comments if he would have went to the Packers, the Patriots, hell, even the Lions. That's a good you point. Know, if, if he would have went to Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, uh, I don't know, Derek Carr, uh, uh, any of these guys that are decent quarterbacks, that would have been fine. You know, whatever. Talk shit about Cam Newton if you want. It, it's not true. You know, but, you know, if you go to a situation where you have a good quarterback that everybody knows is a good quarterback, whatever. Um, Cam can only do so much. He can only put it in your hands. He can only hit you in the numbers. He can only overcome your inability to run routes, your inability to get separation, your inability to not quit. You know, Cam can't overcome all that. And. But he's in Buffalo. I mean, they're Josh Allen and Nathan Peterman are competing for their starting quarterback uh, uh, job. Uh, AJ McCarron. Oh, 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 that's right. And AJ McCarron. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn. Hall of Fame Hall of Famer AJ McCarron are competing for the starting job. And you honestly think that you're in a better situation than you were from the only quarterback. Not only did he feed you, he defended you and everybody made fun of you and everybody, including myself, everybody called you fat and slow and terrible. Cam was the one guy who defended you and you're going to stab him in the back like that. You know, that's Bush League for one. For two, it's not accurate. And for three, you know, you're in Buffalo. You're not, you're going to realize how good you had it. And like John said, he's going to stick around in the NFL for the next five years because he's 6'5 and weighs 200 and whatever, 40, 50, 60, 80 well, probably, pounds. Yeah, more than that now. I could have swore he weighed as much as Vernon Butler, but, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, he, he's, he's tall and he's big, and, and GMs think that means red zone threat. So, you know, John's right. He's going to stay in the league. He's going to get 700 yards a year. He's going to get – four or five touchdowns and he'll be mediocre and you know, whatever, but numbers, despite what certain people think about them, numbers never lie. Okay. They, they don't. The Carolina Panthers with Kelvin Benjamin are 19, 22 and one without Kelvin Benjamin. They're 23 and three, including a 15 and one season a Super Bowl appearance, and an MVP season for Cam Newton the one year that Benjamin got hurt in training camp and didn't play. I don't think that's a coincidence at all. And you can't say that 
that the Panthers built an offense around Cam Newton to help him succeed in 2015 because his wide receivers were Ted Ginn, uh, Devin Funches, Jericho Cotchery, Brenton Burson, and Philly and Brown. Brown. And Philly Brown. And Philly Brown. Those were his wide receivers. You know, he he got an NFL career year out of Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn has been paid by two different teams twice because of Cam Newton. The Arizona Cardinals and the New Orleans Saints both gave Ted Ginn more money than he deserves because of Cam Newton. No other reason. Philly Brown actually looked like an NFL receiver with Cam Newton. Jericho Cotry, he caught the ball in the Super Bowl, damn it. You know, he was, he was what, 75 in 2015, and he was still semi-productive as that, you know, chain-moving wide receiver. You know, he's like the fourth guy on the depth chart. You know, Devin Funches was good. Brenton Burson looked like an NFL player. I mean, Brenton Burson, no, no offense, whoa, Brian. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <clears throat> but, I mean, you know, we go 15 and one cam wins the MVP. We dominate everybody in the playoffs. And then we just, we run out of gas in the Super Bowl because our talent, lack of talent at wide receiver was exposed by a team that knows how to play defense. But you know, all that happened without Kelvin Benjamin and it's not a coincidence. So when you say that you weren't a good fit or that cam wasn't a good fit, you probably should look in a mirror because I think the problem was was Benjamin, not not anything else. Is he, he can't blame anybody but himself? Yeah, we're talking about the quarterbacks. Is is there a worse quarterback room in the NFL than the Bills right now? Cleveland might have one. Nah, Tyrod Taylor's better than anybody oh, on Buffalo. Right. They got they have Tyrod Taylor. That's right. And I also think Baker maybe, Mayfield. Maybe the Jets. Maybe the Jets. The Jets. Yeah. Yeah. Depending yeah. on your opinion of Sam Darnold and and. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, but I still well, think that's better. I don't better count than... Teddy Bridgewater because he's an unknown at this point, considering yeah. he might not be able to play. Yeah, so depending on his health and recovery, but I can't, I don't know. You, you little... can count on one hand and have fingers left over the, the quarterback rooms worse than what yeah. we have in Buffalo. If so, and a little, another thing with, you know, if he had, he said any other quarterback or whatever, he played six games in Buffalo, caught 59% of his passes, which is still bad, uh, and caught 16 passes in six games for 217 yards and one touchdown. Uh, if we extrapolate that to a 16-game season, we've got, what did I say, 271? 217. We've got a 579-yard season and, like, three and, touchdowns. You know, I'll actually come to his defense in that sense because he went to a brand-new team with a brand-new scheme. However, to piggyback the point of Calvin Benjamin wasn't that important for Carolina, Devin Funt just took over, and there really wasn't a whole lot of drop-off with he got better. what he was doing. Yeah, he got I mean, better. like, Funt just... Funches is a more refined route runner, and we're only giving up an inch of height and, you know, maybe 20 pounds, depending on, okay, depending on the, the buffet that Kelvin Benjamin attended, maybe 40 pounds. But um, they're not giving up a whole lot with Funches. Like, it, 
I, I understand where the mindset came from of we need to get more speed on the field because having Funches and Benjamin on the field was kind of redundant because neither one of them is overly fast. So Some of us said that when they drafted both of them. <laughs> Dave, I will say, as much as Dave Gettleman's been revered, and I don't know if it's still if it's starting to fade a little bit because of some of the decisions he's made in New York and the hindsight we're, we're granted with now, granted now, but his size obsession definitely hamstrung the team. Absolutely. Like, being big and slow doesn't yeah. win in 2018, and that's what we were, and that's the direction we were like rapidly heading towards. We talked about that earlier with the secondary and then with the receivers, like we're talking about with Funches and Benjamin. Like Marty Herney, regardless of what you think of him, has definitely put an emphasis on getting speed on the field, and I think we'll be better, we'll be better for it. Well, I mean, even like last year, once the Panthers let Kelvin Benjamin go, they were getting Demir Bird and Curtis Samuel on the field more, which, you know, Curtis Samuel's second-round pick makes sense. But even after he got hurt, they were getting Demir Bird and Kalen Clay. And Kalen Clay is not a world-beater. He he didn't even make Buffalo's roster after they traded for him. Like, the fact that they just had that speed element on the field made their offense more effective. Just the fact that those guys could even could run – down the field 20 yards and be fast made the offense more effective. The fact that a player could get 20 yards down the field in less than the time it took for Cam to get sacked was enough, you know, opened up stuff for the rest of the offense. Exactly. Exactly. And so Gettleman's mindset of the Twin Towers definitely, you know, in hindsight didn't make a whole lot of sense. But looking at the roster now, I mean, like, so I said this in a couple interviews I've done and podcasts I've done with other people, but this team is remarkably similar as far as offense goes to the 2015 group. Um, and maybe that's the overly optimistic take for me, but DJ Moore, super fast, very good with the ball in his hands. Curtis Samuel, super fast, very good with the ball in his hands. Obviously, he's got... Um, even Jarius Wright, you know, even if he's like Jericho Cotri at the end of his career, you know, you have that third down option. Like, it's strikingly similar, this team, because they I'd have... Say, I'd say on paper, the offense is better, like, roster construction-wise than it was in 2015. Exactly. They are... They have a lot of speed, and they don't really have a consensus number one guy, which, for some reason, with Cam Newton... Whenever he's had that guy who's like, hey, give me the ball the entire, you know, season, he doesn't do well. But all of a sudden, when he doesn't have that guy, he does super well. Like, 2013 is a good example. Steve Smith had, like, what, 796 yards receiving or something like that. And even when he was hurt, he was hitting Ted Ginn and Bran LaFell for touchdowns. And the offense was doing really good. And then 2015, Philly Brown, Ted Ginn, Devin Funches in his rookie year. Jericho Cotri, you know, he was spreading the ball around a lot. It seems to benefit Cam Newton to have more mouths to feed than he thinks he needs, you know? Like a guy, like guys who he just finds them when they're open and when they're ready to make a play rather than being like, oh, it's third and five. I'm throwing it to this guy, such as Kelvin Benjamin. So, One last thing I want to talk about. Um, do we think there's going to be any discernible difference in the preseason offensively run by Norv Turner compared to Mike Shula, or do you think we'll have to wait for the regular season to start to see that? Absolutely wait till the regular season for that. 
Are you guys ready for people to freak out if our offense is a little stagnant in the first couple games of the preseason? I cannot wait. (laughs) I mean, we're going to run as vanilla of an offense as we possibly can on Thursday. Well, tomorrow. Uh, You know, we're not going to pull out the playbook in in preseason week one. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see the offense under Norb Turner because I'm hopeful that'll be – Reminiscent of the uh, Rob Chudzinski offenses that we we had, um, it will be. Yeah, and that was and as much as people want to blame Rob Chudzinski for our defense being terrible, our uh, it was it wasn't Rob Chudzinski's fault. Our just we just had Sione Fua and Terrell McLean playing defensive tackle. That was why our defense was bad, not Rob Chudzinski's play calling. But um, if we can get back to that, along with like we talked about the skill, you know, talent we have in the skill positions, I really think the offense will be will be uh tough to stop and i'm excited for it i just i wish i don't know it's a long way to wait for the regular season to see what it is like i would like them ready to see it right away and here's the thing north turner would be a freaking moron to not take this the concepts that rob shazinski was using because number one the concepts that rob shazinski was using came directly from north turner's playbook <laughs> like, yes they they were not new things they were just things that he from Rob Chudzinski and brought them to Carolina. And the only thing that Rob Chudzinski did that was anything different was he tried in his second season to make the read option a base offense, which is obviously not ideal when your quarterback is running those plays and gets hit all the time. So to me, it doesn't seem like it's it's rocket science for Rob, for Norv Turner to take what Rob Chudzinski did and what made Cam Newton good and just bring that back in. I think that's lost in the, uh, the off season narratives. And I think that it's not really going to be all that difficult for Rob, for, uh, excuse me, North Turner to be like, Hey, Cam's really good at throwing the ball down the field. Let's just do that. Like, I think the biggest yeah. hindrance they're going to have is not as much North Turner, as much as going to be, how's the offensive line going to do to protect Cam Newton, throwing the ball down the field. Yeah, Chud's biggest problem was he tried to outsmart himself. Like he got, he got I'm the smartest guy in the room syndrome, and I don't think Norv has to worry about that because I mean, Norv's like 90 years old. He's been around forever. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. So I, I think you're exactly right. He's not trying to be a head coach, which is what what no, Rob, no, Rob was trying to do. Like Rob Chudzinski was trying to show like okay, here's these concepts that I have from coaches I used to have that I used to work with, but I also am incorporating my own my own touch onto it, where, like, Rob, Norv Turner doesn't have to do that. He's, no, Norv is probably going to try to even do less work next year. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's going to get, like, an assistant to take over because he wants to do as little of work as possible. And the other thing, too, is, like, Norv Norv isn't shying away from having Cam run the ball, but he's not he's not building the offense around Cam Newton's read option ability either. He's he's focusing on the downfield passing game and focusing in on completion percentage and high effective passer rating. Like Well, if he's focusing on completion percentage, we're screwed. I don't think he's focusing on like the statistic itself as much as the high percentage throws that can come from it. Cause I mean, Carolina has obviously McCaffrey, Samuel, Moore, 
Smith, all guys where you throw the ball to them in the open field, they can run and they can make a play. That's what I think he's focusing on. It's That's what it sounds like, is he's trying to get Cam Newton to throw the ball to those guys and let them make a play, rather than Cam being the one to make the play to get the first down. And theoretically, that makes a lot of sense. Theoretically, though, because this is Panthers, <laughs> yeah. and theoretically, you know, that's not always how it works out. Well, Thursday night football, we get the uh, Kelvin Benjamin revenge game preseason week one. Show us he's not fat and he's not slow, as we've been coming at him quite a bit for on CSR. (laughs) Um, But we will be breaking down the first preseason game next week, and hopefully it's a good game, and hopefully... Somebody's not abused by Kelvin Benjamin because that would be fun to cover as, you know, a Panthers writer. So, um, but from all of us here on the CSR podcast, fourth and short, thank you for joining us and come join. It's going to be a long, fun ride. Have a good night. Keeps the football, takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff and he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown of the night. Newton keeps, lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal, shuttle pass for Caffrey. Touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keaton. He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years.